Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. This is Jason Witter, author, illustrator of Tiny East Vampire and Monsters Eating Ice Cream, and you are listening to Aaron's Horror Show. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show Season 3, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We're going to go ahead and talk about movies, TV, and read some fiction. If you want to get hold of the show, you can go ahead and go to Facebook.com, Aaron's Horror Show, or you can go to Twitter.com, Aaron Horror Show, or you can go ahead and send us an email at Aaron's Horror Show at gmail.com. You can also go ahead and support the show by going to Patreon.com forward slash Aaron Frail. Thank you so much for listening, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. All right, we got some more Orion for you today. Uh, kind of catch you up on where Orion is. He's lived lots of lives. I mean, we're finding out that he's had thousands of thousands and thousands of lives, and each life he, he lives, you know, <laughs> like many, many times over, like, you know, life three, as he calls it, uh, is, uh, you know... 3.54 or 3 uh, 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 having real trouble remembering I, and I wrote the book too so 3.4501 or something like that and uh, you know so that means he lived life 3 4,501 times right or two times actually uh, you know and uh, and and on top of that he's living lots of lives like this you know so you find out like he's had a weird race car life that he isn't really talking much about uh, and he lives that one over and over and he lives the other one over and over but you know life's one two and three are the ones that he's telling for the story and then you also learn that uh, he's living them over and over uh, so you know we're gonna go to chapter life one point star 1.2 was a lot like 1.1 I ditch my armor and my sword and dodge my way through the battlefield. I knew the arrows were coming, so I picked up a shield from a dead soldier and ducked behind it. Three arrows stuck into my defense and, more importantly, not into me. The next trial was a cavalry, which impaled me and left me for Zabby. During 1.3 through 1.14, I tried a couple of different tricks, but eventually found out that if I waited for the cavalry and the tortoise shell to meet, They'd be a little more focused on each other, and I could run through the legs of the horses if I timed it right. After that, it was flaming arrows, armored infantry, archers on horseback, war elephants, and just about every sort of ancient combat tactic one could employ. For each wave I figured out how to bypass, I would counter another one. In the meantime, the tortoise shell would mow down anything in its path. I thought for sure after the final wave, the barbarian king would have the princess tied up in the background. That's why even when it took me 556 lives 
Just to get through the war elephants alone, I kept joining the battle. Life 1.20537 was right after the one where I found out Stabby could be hurt. It was then when I realized that I had been going about life one all wrong. In most lives, the princess was apparent. Uh, you know, I, when I was a race car driver, I saw her standing on the sidelines with the first place trophy. In the land of weird mushroom people, she was kidnapped. However, in Life 1, I never saw her in person. I had assumed that she was at the end of the battle, so I kept trying to get through it. In Life 2.0537, I decided that maybe I shouldn't focus on the princess at all, but rather Stabby. In this life, he was some lowly servant with a crappy job of killing the wounded on the battlefield. He wasn't protected by Viet Cong or hiding in some dungeon waiting for me to get chained to a wall. In this life, he was vulnerable. So after a relicus sent me off to get my oversized sword and armor, I decided to visit the bunch of jerks who wouldn't let me feast with them on the eve of battle. When I approached, they closed the gaps around the fire so I couldn't break into the circle. Even though I was only 17 winters old in this life, I had learned a couple tricks along the way from my other lives. After a few attempts to politely join their conversation, I found their most massive man in the group and smacked him on a pressure point on his back. He arched in pain, and I took the opportunity to hit two more on his shins. He knelt on the ground, and I dug my hand to another one on his back. He cried out, and I said, It's a bit rude to let a fellow soldier go hungry on the eve of battle. The soldiers allowed me into the circle and shoved some mutton and meat into my hands. Eating was a peculiar experience. In every one of my lives, I had the usual static memory of my life, you know, the, the one I really couldn't change. However, when I was eating the mutton, it felt like it was a new sensation altogether. The closest analogy would be to think about the breakfast you ate last year. You know, while a person with exceptional memory might know what they ate, isn't it the same as biting into the food, tasting it, and swallowing it in the here and now? In all my life, there was never time to eat. I always had a task at hand, and that was the more important than eating. I never lasted much longer than a day, so there was no need to eat. It was a unique experience, and in my quest for a princess, I realized I rarely stopped to experience life's simple pleasures. I made a mental note to start enjoying the small stuff more. Tonight, I wasn't here for mutton. I was here for stabby. After partying with the man, I asked about Stabby. I described him as a servant about my height with a mop of brown hair. I told him about his job description, and none of them knew him. Eventually, after I drank my fill and was unable to find out any more information, I decided to ask around the camp. No one knew anything about him. I was about to give up and go to bed, when I thought it occurred to me. Maybe the Romans didn't win the battle. Maybe Stabby was the battlefield cleanup for the, you know, barbarians. They gave me a plan for tomorrow. I found my tree and my clockwork, my princess vision came. Best part of my day. However, by the time I got to this life, the weird clothing and hairstyles weren't strange at all. They were contemporary styles. However, the vision was still just a mirage. I had yet to experience the life that it was from. She kissed my cheek once again in the daydream and I savored the moment. I often mused that if I did win her affection one day, the rest of my life would be like that vision. It was a nice repeat from the endless cycle of my lives and my deaths. The next day, I was on the battlefield, waiting for my fellow cannon fodder. 
I had traded away both my armor and my sword for a shield. The shield was big enough to hide under. I planned to take out myself from the battle before I was too wounded to confront Stabby. When, Elica, when, when Relicus gave the order, I ran out with the rest of the recruits and then fell back from the first axe blow to my shield. I tucked my limbs under the shield and played tortoise shell of my own. By the time the tortoise shell army trampled the battlefield, I was well hidden. So even they walked right over me. I was unscathed. Not wanting to suffer from a stray arrow, I waited until I was sure the battle was over. Once I no longer heard the cries of the battle and the march of the elite Roman infantry, I peeked out from behind the shield. From the looks of it, my hunch was right about the barbarians winning the battle. A bunch of them were in the act of cleaning their dead and hauling off their wounded. Other than the writhing bodies of the fallen soldiers, I did not see a single Roman among them. I wondered why I was given a do-over in a battle I could never win. That's when it hit me about my assumption about the princess at the end of it had to be correct. I was destined to win this battle. The Romans were doomed without me. However, for the immediate future, there was no harm in exploring. Maybe I get an idea of where the princess was being held. How many more waves I had to conquer. I also wanted to find Stabby and meet him on even terms. This trick made me feel as if I had a new lease on this life. Even though I had cheated my way through the battle, it was nice to be on the other side of it without a gaping wound. I surveyed the field for Stabby. He was nowhere to be seen. Of the few barbarians killing the wounded soldiers, none of them seemed like the right build for Stabby. They were all too large and built like a barbarian. Stabby was a lean guy like me. I decided the first order of business was to look as if I belonged. Wearing a Roman tunic was a surefire way to get killed or become a prisoner of war. Neither was a good prospect and Stabby was somewhere in their camp. I stripped a dead barbarian his furs and then tossed my tunic. They were big on me, but not so much to cause suspicion. I walked through the battlefield, and it was a sight to see. People hadn't been stabbed yet were writhing on the ground. Most of the people stained with blood. It was gruesome, but since I'd seen so much violence, it had little effect on me. It was not that I didn't empathize with the wounded. I had been one of them enough times to know what they were feeling. It was that I learned how to move on very quickly from what be, would be traumatic life events for most people. Most people in my later life thought I was fearless. I still had fear, you know, it just didn't overwhelm me. After a while, I came across the battlefield cleanup crew members, and he kind of looked like he could be stabby. I liberated an axe from one of the dead. It was a throwing axe for a normal-sized man and a hand axe for a person my size. I knew that I would have to hit him fast if I were going to take him down. I didn't intend to kill him, I only wanted to incapacitate him. I rushed towards him and screamed with axe held high. The individual turned around and cried out. I realized the person I was about to get down wasn't stabby, but a barbarian kid with the unlucky duty of battlefield cleanup. I swerved my axe at the last moment and swiped thin air. The kid fumbled for his weapon and returned the attack. I was able to parry the attacks easily enough. I had learned hand-to-hand -hand combat with just about every weapon in my previous lives. Had Grimmolt not been poisoning the contestants in my second life, I would have had a good chance by now of beating the tournament on my own merit. However, I didn't give the kid enough credit. He was able to get a blow on my arm and cut it open. It wasn't fatal, but it hurt. It inspired me to fight harder. Eventually, I knocked the weapon out of his hand and knelt down in tears. Get up, I said. You're not going to kill me? He said, terrified by my answer. No, I said. I thought you were someone else. 
I then proceeded to describe Stabby to him. He shrugged his shoulders and said, I know everyone in my unit, and no one looks like him. I never considered the possibility that Stabby wouldn't be affiliated with either side. It sounded like a tricky pull to wait for the battle to be over and then waltz up in to kill me. However, if Stabby wasn't associated with either side, then why did he kill me? I'd been running on the assumption that Stabby was killing me because there'd be worse consequences for him if he didn't. Figured some barbarian leader would stab him if he refused to do his job. However, if he wasn't affiliated with either side, he could walk away from the battlefield and never come back. That's when I felt a dagger in my back. Stabby had gotten the drop on me again. I turned to face him, and he smiled and said, Clever. I figured, why fight the battle when I don't have to to get to the other side, I shrugged. Any minute now, he sent me to another life. But I was already formulating a plan the next time I got back to life one. Now you're getting it, Stabby said. What do you mean? Getting what, I asked. How to make it through. <laughs> through what? Don't you see? The only way to win the game is not to play it at all. But what about the princess? He looked at me and laughed. It wasn't a chuckle, a bellow, or a guffaw. It was a full-fledged losing it with laughter. He was cackling crazily. His dagger dropped just enough. In the middle of the episode, I made my move. I swung my axe and knocked the blade from his hand. His eyes widened in terror. He scrambled towards the weapon. I pushed him out of the way and ran towards the dagger myself. We landed on it at the same time. After a bit of struggle, I was finally on top of him. I held his dagger in my hand. This time, there weren't any Viet Cong soldiers to take me down. I pointed at his eye socket. He smiled and said, Go ahead, do it. But you don't like what's happened next. What's it to you? You're more like me. You'll just go on to the next life, I said. That's where you're wrong. What, you're saying if I stab you with this, you'll die and never come back? Only give me incentive, dude. Life would be a lot simpler if you didn't keep ending it for me. I've only been ending it when it's already over. Without me, you'd still be bleeding out on the original battlefield, an anomaly in time. You're saying I can't die? Not without this, he nodded to the dagger and said. Remember the time you broke your leg in the woods and I'd go out and find you? Yeah, I vaguely remembered it. It wasn't the most memorable life of life, too. You would have been there forever had I not come along. A villager would have found me eventually. Tell me, Stabby said. Have you ever tried to fly the helicopter? Tried to grab the controls a few times. It always ended in a crash. Next time, kill the pilot. Stabby said like he was giving me cooking advice. I can't do that. Fly the helicopter yourself. You'll see what I mean. Now, can I have my dagger back? No. <laughs> if you think you're getting off that easy, an axe to the back of my skull ended our conversation. The boy I had assaulted had brought a few burly men to investigate what we were doing. Unfortunately, a barbarian investigative procedure was to swing an axe first and ask questions later. Stabby killed me moments later. All right, that's Moral Ryan for you. Thank you so much for listening, and have a good night. Say goodbye 
to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.